York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. What's going on? This is Jay Ellis from Nick of Time Show. Here, give me that Nick salt, just and it's Nick of Time. And guess what? The Knicks win again. We don't have OG Ananobi. We don't have Julius Randle, and we still obliterate the Hornets, one thirteen to ninety-two. And we had contributions all over the floor. Josh Hart damn near gets you a triple double with eight points, seven assists, and twelve rebounds on the night. Hartenstein only plays 16 minutes and gives you 10 points and four rebounds. McBride locking people up, shooting threes and gives you 11 points, one steal and one assist. And Dante's Inferno is in full effect. He had the green light to game, putting up 22 shots and had 28 points, five assists and six rebounds on the night. And our leader. Our MVP, Jalen Brunson, gives you 32 points, seven assists, and four rebounds on the night. The Knicks scored 44 points in the third quarter. They only need this one quarter to really do it. They scored 25 points off of turnovers, and they beat the Hornets in submission until we got the win. And this is a good game. This is a good game to kind of test out the new lineups, get some kinks out, because it started out ugly, guys. It started out ugly. We had Precious Achilles starting. Um, we we had uh, who else? We had we had Precious starting. We had Josh Hart starting. They didn't really know the the front from their back for the first two quarters, but we got it together and we got that win. And that's what champs do, right? We get things together and we figure it out and we get that win. And now we're two games away from second place in the NBA. We're still fourth place um, in the East. And what game is this? What this is this is the Sixth, seven, 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 seven game? Seventh game winning streak? Oh, yeah, seventh game, yeah. Seven Se- game. Yeah, seven game winning streak. I'm losing count of all the wins that we get, man. We just <laughs> rack them up. I can't even remember anymore. But we're going to talk about all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and all the little bit tidbits and news that's been buzzing around. So let's get to it, all right? First and foremost, let me introduce the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with the stats and the facts. Ryan G's in the building. Another Knicks winning MSG South. I don't know if it's one, two, three, four. The all I know is that there's a whole bunch of them. Exactly. Just stacking it. Just, just keep stacking it. Just keep stacking it. And of course, you already know it is the Latin Assassin. My guy Lee. What's going on, Lee? What's up, y'all? Great Knicks win. Uh, we beat probably the worst possible team we could have played, which was <laughs> voted well, well for us with three of our starters out. But it was nice to smack Miles Bridges in the face. Always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a double entendre you did this smack miles between? i feel like that's what that was i feel like that's where you're going no one gets me like you bro i'll be getting all the subliminals no one be catching it i'll be catching all the subs he be doing he be doing sneaky subs you sure do oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man well let's, let's get to it um the start of this game i'm not gonna lie it's like watching paint dry it was, it was a struggle to score I even know if he's going to even reach 80 points, let alone 100. <laughs> it was a defensive matchup. We kind of filling our way around. But there were some things that I liked, man. I saw some different lineups I've never seen before. I saw Josh and Precious playing together. I saw 
Precious and Sins playing together. I saw Dante and Grimes playing together. I saw Deuce playing the two. I saw all sorts of mix, mixing and matching today because the coach didn't have a choice. There was nobody to play. Uh, but all in all, even while shorthanded is one thing that this team does night after night, and that's play defense. We were number one team in the league um, with a field goal, defensive field goal percentage, uh, defensive net rating. Uh, we're holding teams to 100, under 100 points in the month of January, and we've done that 14 times. This team is the only team that has done that, and we have not lost uh, our defensive identity. And this is when I'm gonna. St- I'm gonna start low. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give Lee's boy uh, Precious and Shoot with some props. I'm gonna give him some props because um, I know we definitely gonna talk about Dante. We definitely gonna talk about Jalen Brunson. But I was really locked into where Precious and Chula was on the floor, and he just did not make make mistakes. He's good point of attack defender, good health defender, and he did a lot of that without fouling. A lot of that would have found. Now, he didn't have the rebounding game that he usually had, but defensively, that impact that you feel like we might lose because OG was out, I felt like Precious brought a lot of that with him today. And the team defense was good, but to me, because of the, the eye test, he stood out to me personally today. Yeah, I want to jump on that. I, I've been a huge supporter of him. I thought he was a great bonus in the trade. In fact, that was probably the one thing I heard when that, that trade came out in segments. And when I heard we got Precious, knowing he was a Miami Heat draft pick and watching him in, in Miami, I was very excited about what he could bring to New York, especially paired with OG. I felt we got OG and then his like, the dollar store version of him. And I don't mean that <laughs> as a disrespect to Precious. I know but OG mean. is he's first team all defense. And dollar store version of that is well above the average NBA player. And, and I told you, I, I watched the first couple of games. I said, like, Precious is in the right spots. He's constantly cutting, which a lot of the Nets players do, at least the ones I, I love watching. He fits right in that regard. And now he has a team with Hartenstein back and healthy and Brunson being more of a playmaker. He got some open shots under the basket. And you're right. He can't, he's not the super switchable, like Swiss Army knife that OG is, but I think he guards a point of attack really, really well, no matter where that point of attack is coming from. And I think it was purposeful. Tibbs had him on Miles Bridges because he knew that Bridges was a key to us possibly losing the game. If he goes off, then it helps open up the floor for everybody else. I don't think anyone expected Brandon Miller to have a career high. He's a very, I want to talk about him at some point too. He's a very talented kid, mm-hmm. but I think the point was to stop Miles. And once we stopped Miles by having the pressures on him, the game was there. I thought he did a really great job of knowing where he uh, Miles was, was lethal from on the floor and closing out on him in those spots and then letting up in others where he knew that he was inefficient in terms of his shooting spots around the floor. So smart, intelligent defense, smart steaming by Tibbs, another great win, another great rotation uh, night for Tom Thibodeau. I want to give him his flowers. And obviously I love Precious to chew it. Yeah. I think I might have got going, but I feel like he got going when Precious was off the floor. Um, but yes. I, I think that's when, um, I think Grimes might have been on when he got going. Go ahead, Ryan. I don't, I don't know if you got to add anything. First and foremost, I want to big up former Nick Gray, Frank Nilakina. <laughs> <laughs> because tonight he had a career high, zero points, zero one shooter from the field, negative eleven while he was on the court. So big up former yeah. Nick Gray. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> like pretty much what he did when he was in New York. 
Exactly. So big up four minute great. Triple zero. Yeah, that's number one. I want to start off with that. Um, number two, um, yeah, it did it definitely did look rocky for the Knicks early in the game offensively. And I mean, looking at the lineup, you thought that would be the case. There would be um less spacing with iHeart, Precious, and Josh Hart on the floor at yeah. the same time. And, and you already know that you already knew that coming into that game, like Charlotte was gonna probably double team Brunson and try to get the ball out of his hands, you know, and see and force the other Knicks to score the ball. And that's why I would have preferred if Grimes also started, you know, because at least it would give you two shooters on the court that mm-hmm. could space the floor and then probably have Precious and iHeart in the front court. Um but, you know, overall, the Knicks lean on their defense, and that's what the Knicks are going to have to do with Julius Randle out. They're going to have to lean on their defense a whole lot to stay in games and to just, you know, to just keep up with the opponent. And But but the one thing I did like about tonight's game was the fact that, in the especially in the second half, I like the ball movement. Yeah. The ball movement was exceptional. And the way that they were able to just pass the ball around, you know, penetrate into the paint, kick out for passes, and eventually find the open shooter. I thought that was great, and I think a lot of what I saw in the second half, the Knicks are going to have to incorporate that into their offense while Julius Randle is out because with Julius Randle out, Jalen Brunson is definitely going to see a whole a whole lot more double teams, and mm-hmm. other guys are going to have to step up and sh- knock in open shots, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to move the ball around to the open shooters. So I was glad to see that in the second half, and I mean, let's just be real about it. Charlotte had no lamento balls. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's one game where the Knicks could get away with not having Julius Randle or, or OG, this is the game where they sure. could get away with yeah. it. And and the Knicks being a winning team and Charlotte being a losing team, it just that just popped up in the second half. The Knicks knew how to execute. Charlotte didn't know how to execute, and Knicks were able to just smack them dudes. Yeah, not for real, for real. The uh, this, I mean, this is partly why Dante is here, man, because you know there was there was taking the ball. Out of Jalen Brunson's hands, Dante, he was rubbing his hands together. He's like, yes, I got the juice now. He was putting them up. <laughs> like, it's, I feel like he's, he got to ice his arm because I know his arms are sore from all the shots he was taking. I think he said he took a career-high 22 shots. Shot 10 to 22 from tonight. But also, he, he played a, a little bit of pick and roll. So, we're wondering where the offense is going to be run from. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have to come from a combination of Dante and OG and not just from Jalen Brunson. But the game really broke open when Jalen Brunson got crazy. Because when Jalen Brunson got crazy and he became a, a, a threat, a scoring threat, it was all over. Because the first quarter, Jalen Brunson didn't really find his rhythm. But then once he started finding his rhythm in that third quarter, all the Hornets were on high alert. It was going for every pump fake, chip, double, triple team him, and it was just easy pickings. It was just a pass, a, a double a pass, a heart and stuff. A pass to a wide open pass to Dante in the corner. He had Brunson had 15 points and four assists in the third quarter alone. And so, so really, the Knicks' scheme was play defense, play defense, score one quarter with Jalen Brunson smacking people in the head, and then play more defense. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it really looked like. That's what it looked like. But we can get away with it with this team. Um, with other teams, you're going to have to find even more creative ways to score. So hopefully that's uh, OG Novanobi being back from elbow injury. Maybe that's more pick and roll with Dante and whoever just to give Jalen Brunson some, you know, some time off the ball to conserve energy. 
Uh, it might have to be some other ways. Uh, today, that third quarter, too, it was, it was, it was, you know, Charlotte's coach and that Charlotte's coach and team, they just, they're just, they're butt cheeks, man. I'm sorry. They're just butt cheeks. I like, I just didn't, I'm watching after Jalen Brunson cooked them, I'm watching the second unit and I'm watching Josh Hart bring the ball up. And I'm watching Charlotte double Josh Hart. I'm like, why are they doubling Josh Hart so aggressively? Not on a fast break, but just bringing the ball up in half court. Like, we don't have real ball handlers who are going to break down the defense. So you're just kind of making it easy for us. Like, you're doubling Josh Hart. He's like, oh, I'll just make the simple pass to the middle. Now y'all, now y'all scrambling. Now we got wide open threes in the corner. Like, we reversed the ball to the corner like five, six, seven straight times. Just from a, a double team of Josh Hart, who's not some off the dribble uh, <laughs> Allen Iverson threat. Like I did, I did not get that at all. But hey, it helped us. So good for you. I'm glad. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Josh Hart. Shout out to Josh Hart in general, who almost had a triple a, a triple double today. Yeah, I have to give him his flowers, man. I've been I've been hard on him. I've really liked how he stepped up stepped up his game and he's hit going downhill. It's a nice one man transition that, that he's able to bring to, to his squad. And there were some times he, he went to the hole and hit around the rim that we really need a bucket in that first half where it was getting close between us and the Bobcats, as I like to call them. Um, we, we need that. This was a night where people were able to show their full bag because we had so many on ball guys that were out Yeah, and on the opposite of the floor. You're right. That, that organization top down is trash. Now it's Steve Clifford, good coach. He comes from the same coaching tree as Tibbs. I'm not gonna give him too much uh criticism, but the roster, the roster construction, the management, the management personalities, um, they, they've they've struck out on almost everyone but Lamella Ball. And I want to give a shout out to the, the rookie who cooked us, Brendan Miller. Man, that kid, he doesn't have much muscle on his bones or even elite athleticism. Uh, and I didn't see him get around the paint too much, but in terms of like from the three point line to the free throw line, gotta give him some props, man. They have a real a real player there. I think he's a three level store with potential to be a five level store if he beefs up and able to store around the rim a little bit more. But man, lanky, long. I thought he played some decent defense. He's a really good ball handler. He has the skills of a two guard in like a three or four's body. Uh, he has a really sharp handle. I think that helps him make up for some of his lack of athleticism. But I love this pull-up midi. He's a really nice three-point shot, too. He's a big shot tech taker. That that roster, they have some talent there, but it just shows you how far institutional rot can really destroy a team's chance of building around a roster. Yeah, man. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. No, all I was going to say is I think it's very telling when because Clifford, he got his two first texts of the season, got thrown out of the game. Then once he got thrown out of the game, he just saw everybody on the bench just laughing, having Yo, a good old time. you read my mind, Ryan. When, when the Knicks were smacking them, and then on top of that, your home fans aren't even present. Like, there's Knicks fans in your whole arena shouting, let's go, Knicks. Let's, let's go, go, Knicks. And you're telling me, as an NBA player who's competitive, you're happy in that type of environment, you're joking around and stuff yeah. like that? Like that, right, that right there shows you the oh. culture they have currently in Charlotte. My bad. Bruh. That's what I meant to hit. Now that was yeah. crazy. Lamella Ball was cheesing on the bench when I was getting smacked by the Knicks. I couldn't, I couldn't take, I couldn't take that. I do, I do feel like the Hornets on the floor got pissed when that happened because they started to actually fight. 
When the cheers yeah, came, they, <laughs> they started actually fighting back. They didn't like it. They was looking like Macau Bridges in the face when they heard the Let's Go Knicks chant. They was looking lost. Like, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to have, to feel like a visitor in your own home. Like, they, they was looking real depressing. <laughs> but I'll take it. We got that win, man. That's MSG South again for us. All right. We taking over. We worldwide. We, we state to state. It was great. It was so bad. They were trying to pan. They couldn't even really pan the camera across the the Hornets arena. It was Knicks fans, orange, blue everywhere. I loved it. It was great. I don't know if I saw my tweet, but they were doing a sing-along with a Queen song, and every single fan that was singing along, everyone had a Knicks jersey on. Everyone. (laughs) I was like, this is in your home arena. This is your home. I watched watched the Charlotte uh, Charlotte Bobcat stream. I didn't watch the Knicks. And every single person with a Knicks jersey on. Hilarious. Because the Knicks fans were the ones that were happy. That's why. (laughs) 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 Then Queen, my team getting brought out by 20. (laughs) School Queen. If you watch the Knicks stream, there was was one – there was one um one time where the camera panned to the with pretty much panned to the um to the stands, and you saw a whole bunch of Knicks jerseys, a whole bunch of Knicks fans sitting together. You saw like one guy in like a Charlotte Hornets jersey in the midst of all the Knicks fans. It was so hilarious. yeah, he was pissed. He was he was shaking his head like he was pissed. He was pissed, but I'll take it. I'll take it. And you know what else I'll take? I'll take the fact that we have the right miles. On our team, all right. <laughs> yeah, Miles McBride, man, all of a sudden he's just like some top notch three point corner shooter on the squad. He has to be shooting over 50% from, from that corner three. He was phenomenal today. Uh, still a two guard in my eyes, not much of a playmaker, but he's starring in that role as the guy who's going to shoot that corner three with gusto. Um, and lock down people on defensive end. And one hell of a timeout play drawn when he threw a 30-foot alley-oop to Jericho Sims to like start the fourth quarter. I was like, what? <laughs> that was nasty. That was nasty. So yeah, shout out to Malcolm Bride, who had 11 points on the night. My dad pointed out in that fourth quarter, though, when Miles Bride was up on the floor, he started losing the lead. And that's why Tibbs had to put Brunson in there. So it just show it, it's not that's not a knock on Deuce because that's not Deuce's strong point. That Deuce would never be a playmaker. I love that he's become a sharpshooter, but it still underscores our need for a secondary playmaker on that bench unit. Nah, I nah, I agree. I, I, I'm not gonna say he'll never be a playmaker. I'll just say we'll wait and see. He's very early in his playmaking journey. <laughs> I'm gonna give him a year to see what he got. Very politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> he's very early in his playmaking journey. Right now, he's a sharpshooter, right? Like the shooting that we saw in summer league is is what we're seeing right now. That's translating. But you know, we also saw like high assist game in summer league and high assist game in uh in uh, the G League. He's not having the high assist game now. But I, I I just remember him. I remember I remember. Everything was kind of predicated off the jump shot. It's all right. I don't got the jump shot now, and people are jumping. I can go go in the paint and, and dime people up. Like so, there's like there's a pathway there that he can kind of duplicate. But he, I don't know. I think he might need, need more reps. He needs more reps. From what from what I've seen though, the handle has gotten better since he's gotten more time. But 
it's still the decision making. It still looks very things still look very stagnant when the ball is in his hands and it doesn't look organized. So he he still has a way to go. I don't know if it's like a trust thing with the teammates or or he's just trying to figure out where to go on the court and win. But there's still a ways to go on that. But for what he is, like defending at a high level and hitting shooting threes and occasional alley loop to Sims is nice. Yeah, and I just want to throw in something right quick because well, first and foremost, what Lee brought up about the backup playmaker, it, it does lead me to a question that I wanted to ask, but I don't know if I should ask it now, if I should wait till later on, because I know that we're going to get into some things about, you know, what came out of the news recently about, you know, new targets that the Knicks are looking at, you know, to replace Julius Randle in the lineup. But this is what I want to say about McBride, because McBride pretty much had the play of the game in the fourth quarter. The way he locked up Cody Martin, yeah. I was like, yo. I was like, yo, that man has a family. Dude's like, what are you doing, son? Like, that man has a family. That man locked him up, threw away the key, and then, and then on the fast break, hit the three in the corner. I was like, yeah. Yo, I was like, that play is crazy. That play was crazy. It was crazy. Even a stare down three, like, even like the aggressiveness to know when dude was, dude was playing up on him, he hits him like a little jab and one dribble, and then still pulls the corner three in dude's eye. That's a type of aggressiveness I had not seen from Deuce last season. Very true. And he's doing that this season with not wide open threes, but like threes where somebody's kind of semi playing defense on you. So that's that's impressive, man. That's impressive because the aggressiveness, playing scared is one of the things that I was harping on. And it seems like he's gotten over that part. And so like once you have the, the confidence part, the rest of the game can start to open up. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see how it goes. Like I like I said, I don't think he'll be a playmaking guard to the to the point where he's gonna be good in the playoffs and he's gonna give him the ball and be be comfortable. Like we we might be a year away from that if he starts to get comfortable. But uh, I like the steps he's taking this this season. All right, and you know we can get into something else right now because Ryan G already already kind of teased it. We can get into Julius Randle news. All right, I kind of I dropped a video, quick video earlier today, that uh, about Julius Randle and the news. You you guys already know what's happening at this point. Julius Randle went down to a, a dirty Heat player who slid under him while he was trying to attack the basket and ended up dislocating his shoulder. Woj announced today that Randle and the Knicks were optimistic based on the test that he's already done but the optimism doesn't mean he's out of the woods um although they are optimistic that he will be out for weeks and not months there's still more tests to be had and they still have to prepare for every scenario so that's where the knicks are right now optimistic but not quite out the woods yet all right so uh let's get to this article though and then we'll go to Ryan G's question. All right. So let's go. Let's go. Boom. Julius Randle to miss a light, at least a few weeks. Optimism Nick Starr can avoid in-season surgery. So Julius Randle's absence is expected to be at least a few weeks following the shoulder's dislocation. He suffered. We already know this part. Randle's replacement. 
There are 10 days until the NBA trade deadline, so the Knicks have enough time to acquire a replacement for Randall. Harrison Barnes. Oh, Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges? Who man is this? Bruh. My bad. Hit the wrong button. Bruh. My bad. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick. <laughs> Miles Bridges heard that was like, for real? <laughs> I have a fan? <laughs> and Bruce Brown are among the players available via trade. Who could replace Randall? The Knicks had been considered Brown. The Knicks had been considering Brown prior to Randall's injury. At the point, they had been looking for a ball handle slash scorer with the second unit. They also had been in touch with some teams on a backup big man in case Isaiah Hartenstein's Achilles injury forced him to miss time. Uh, all right. So in addition to those scenarios, this is also interesting. With the club had been in support of making no changes at the deadline per league source. And you know what? When you winning as much as we've been winning in January, I can understand that that thought process is like, well, why shake things up? We're winning. Um, and also they're trying to save assets. That's really what it is. <laughs> they're, really to, they're really trying to save assets. So, um, so maybe they now push harder for Brown, a player who already has significant support in the organization. Bridges and Barnes would also help the Knicks in the short term. It's unknown if Sacramento would make Barnes available. Um, they obviously are trying to win games. Bridges is attainable from Charlotte, but Bridges 2022 felony domestic violence arrest and subsequent plea of no contest would presumably be presumably factor heavily into any consideration given to Bridges. So yeah. Guys, what are your thoughts on Bridges and Harrison Barnes becoming a Nick? I'll let Lee go first because I have a question, so I'll let Lee go. Uh, that's a hell no and uh, two hell no's for different reasons. One, I think Miles Bridges doesn't deserve to be in the NBA and should not be in the NBA for the evidence, the overwhelming evidence that show that he beat his uh, the wife of his mother's of his kids, the mother of his kids in the face, uh, breaking parts of her of her facial bones. Uh, I also don't think that he's a good fit for what we need. I think he's someone who's going to be looking to get paid, and we're looking for cheap, expiring deals. Maybe veterans on expiring contracts or very team friendly, uh, descending contracts. That's not going to be what he, he gets with that next, next contract as he's a free agent this summer. Harrison Barnes is not available. Well, I, I think Charlotte would love to move on from Bridges. Barnes has been a key cog in their resurgence out of a, the doldrums of NBA poverty and into the playoffs. And he's, they're really, they're the best veteran presence and has been that locker room. Uh, he's been there the longest tenured player uh, as well as the oldest player. And I think he's, it makes no sense for them to get rid of someone who's been so clutched down to stretch uh, in crunch time, hitting big shots for them when De'Aaron Fox is off. And also someone who decided guides that young team to the state professional and relay the messaging of head coach Mike Brown it doesn't make sense. So I don't think either of them are realistic. I think they're that's uh, deflection for the real target, which is Bruce Brown. I think he is someone that the front office is definitely going to go after. I'm not a fan of it just because I think his skill set overlaps too much with Josh Hart. It doesn't bring him a type of consistent shooting to the team that I believe we need. But he's a dog. Uh, he all those 50 50 balls will win because of him. And he's a champion. He knows how to win. He was probably the fourth most important player 
it, it, it floated between him and Michael Porter Jr. on the Denver Nuggets run. So he's a great asset, very tradable. You could flip him if you get him. He's a that contract that I think would fill half of most supermatch contracts for a good player. But uh, to me, I think there are better options out there than any of those three. Yeah, I agree with you on on both counts. I mean, if if depending on the on the Julius Randle situation, I would do Harrison Barnes for the right price. Um, if Julius Randle's situation is indeed like he's going to be out for you no know, months, you know what I mean? Yeah, because he's essentially a three and D power forward wing. He's been shooting 48% from the field, 41% from three. You see, saw he had 39 points. Uh, I think that happened recently. And like Lee said, he's a veteran and he, he he's a professional. And at, at this point, if you're going to lose a guy like Julius Randle, who's a big time scorer, you just got you just kind of have to try to give Brunson as much spacing as you possibly can. And go from there and also you know what he's only scoring 11.9 points per game but the bonus is there now so he might not be getting as much touches as he used to his role changes so that can you know constitute to why he's only getting 11.9 points per game where he was scoring before so i would be for harrison barnes depending on the julius Randle moves depending on the price you already saw the contract that i i brought up earlier 17 million goes with Fournier's 18.5. I would do, I don't know how expensive it would be, though. That's the only thing. Like, would you give up Grimes and Fournier in a pick? I would definitely do Grimes. I would definitely do uh, Fournier in a pick. Would you do Grimes? And, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I would do Grimes as well. I might pause on that part because of his age. Go ahead, Ryan G. Yeah, um, as for me, Miles Bridges is easily hell no. Um, domestic violence charge, we don't need that in New York. The, I mean, the Knicks organization just recently is getting, you know, within good graces where it's like, you know, there's good vibes around the organization and things of that nature. You don't need any, you don't need to bring in anybody that's going to bring any type of negative attention to the team and the organization. So Miles Bridges is already a hell no just based off that alone. Um, Harrison Barnes, I, I'm I'm with you on JL. Is it, it, I'm with you, JL, is from the simple fact that it depends on how long Julius Randle is going to be out. If it's just a, if it's just a few weeks, I wouldn't go for that trade. Right. If it's an extended period of time, then I would consider it more. Um, Bruce Brown, uh, I agree with Lee as well. You know, he's not my first choice, but I wouldn't be mad. If the Knicks brought him in, just for the simple fact that he's a champion, he knows how to win in the playoffs. You know what you're going to get from him, and you know he's going to he's going to bring. You know he got that he got that dog in him when it comes to playoff time. So from that standpoint, and he, and he can score the rock, and things of that nature. So he wouldn't be my first choice. I would prefer someone who can shoot the ball better and play make from that position better. But I wouldn't be mad if the Knicks. Brought in Bruce Brown, and here's my question. So, I know before the Julius Randle injury, you know, I think most of us agree that we want somebody to come to the team that has that backup playmaking ability, you know, someone who can shoot, you know, get a create his own shot, things of that nature, as I'm scoring pop off the bench. 
But now with Julius Randle being out for a period of time, we don't know the exact time as of yet. Would you rather go in the market and find a replacement for Julius Randle in the starting lineup to supplement that time while he's out? Or would you still rather go after that backup playmaker where we know if we add him to the bench, that would still probably complete the team? And, and, you, and you know that once Julius Randle comes back, you know, things are going to be good because, you know, you pretty much have your full squad and now you have that extra score come off the bench and things like that. So you're saying, would you rather go after a, a, a starting power forward or a backup playmaker? If Yeah, basically with Julius Randall, like, does your thinking change where you're like, okay, you know what, maybe we need to bring in somebody who can replace it, Julius Randall in the starting lineup while he's out? It depends on the timetable. It all depends on the timetable for me. Like, if it's going to be, you know, he's out, we got a nine-game stretch, it might be. This might be a rough nine games. But if we're going to get him back after All-Star break, then, like, right after All-Star break, then I would go ahead and I would just get that backup playmaker and and try to, like, survive these nine games. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if it's going to be longer, then I would try to get a, a, a starting power forward. And just roll the dice what we got. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a stance on this. There's no situation where I would go after a starting power forward, even if the timetable extended past a month. I think it would be a waste of assets because it's pretty much guaranteed not only that Randall's going to be back, but that Randall is our starting power moving forward, our starting power forward moving forward. So I I don't think I think it'd be a waste of assets positionally for a replacement. I would always go after a backup playmaker. Someone who's a vet over the age of 29 uh, has some playoff experience. I think that's a role that we need roster-wise. When fully healthy, we're still missing that. Randall, I don't think there's any way he's going to be supplanted in the starting lineup. So you're really asking someone to come on board whose role is going to be dramatically different in six months or next season. And I don't think that's something that someone wants to sign up for in such a short-term uh, situation. So, yeah, I, there's no way I would want to trade for someone who's starting at the power forward position elsewhere. I'd rather draft a backup playmaker and someone like a Kelly uh, Olenek or like a third string big off the bench. Even if it's like long term, he's not going to play for the rest of the season. Because cause I guess it, here's what I'm thinking. Macau might be a different situation because like he, we have to risk, not Macau. I mean, Miles is a different situation. Um, All the domestic violence BS aside, straight business wise, resigning him and all that stuff, that just seems like a lot to deal with, right? But Harrison Barnes, um, his contract can be flipped. Like His contract can be flipped. We can easily trade for him and then trade trade him in the summer. I guess that's the way I'm thinking about it. Because it, like I said, when you, if you look at his contract, 17 million, 18 million, 19 million. Those contracts in the NBA that are under $20 million are seen as assets, especially for a guy like Barnes who's who uh is shooting the way he's shooting right now. Like you see, I'm on my the clean cleaning the glass stats. You already know orange means go. He's good. He's he, all three levels he's scoring at the rim, mid-range, three. So I feel like Worst case scenario, worst case scenario, we keep him around 
I mean, best case scenario, we keep him around. Goes, you know what? He can be a backup power, backup power forward, play wing for us, or we can ship him out for a star because he's only making eighteen million. Uh, I f- I feel like we might give up assets, but we might get an asset back because of the type of contract he is and the type of player he is. That's I guess that's the way I will see it. Yeah, it's fair. I, when I thought about replacing Joyce Randall to line up with a starting power forward, I wasn't thinking Harrison Barnes or a player of Harrison Barnes level. Uh, to me, Harrison Barnes is, while he starts for the Sacramento Kings at the three and the four, at 31 years old, I think he would accept a brawl off the bench or even a, a, a role that's in flux where, hey, you're going to start for a month and you're going to move to the bench. So in a situation like that, I also don't think he would cost much. Sure. No one's going to be giving up two unprotected first-round picks for Harrison Barnes. So that doesn't uh, frustrate me. But to trade for a player who is starting on his team at the four, like that's where he thrives is at the four position, to give up picks for him or to, to give up assets for him. A Grimes, no, I'm against that. I'm even against giving up Grimes for Harrison Barnes. What if it's uh, like, I, remember we talked about, uh, oh, hold on a second. I am for moving Grimes, though, for the right deal. Just not him. Hold on a second, but what if, what if, what if, hold on. <laughs> what if we get, what if we snag Herb Jones? I don't know. Like, I know that was a rumor. I heard, I heard a rumor that they were shopping him. I'm not sure how true it is. It could be false. But, you know, you know, these teams have tax uh, inflammations. They have tax things they have to worry about. The reason why Sacramento might get rid of of Harrison Barnes is because they're $11 million over the tax. I'm not sure exactly. I know the Pelicans might be dealing with tax stuff also, but we'll say we're giving up something for Herb Jones and it's like Herb Jones starts for us and then he ends up being in the rotation. Like, I don't know. That could be interesting. I don't see Herb Jones at this point in his career except in a bench role. He's starting now. I think he wants to stay starting. And on this team, positionally, there's just not a room for him. OG is our three. Randall's our four. He can't play five. He can't play two. Uh, I know it's positional. It's basketball. But Tibbs is not necessarily all the way on that side. He's more of a centrist or leaning right in terms of positional. It's basketball. He, he loves his rim-rolling centers, uh, traditional point guard. So I don't see Herb Jones being a realistic target. And I would not go all in pet wise on Herb Jones either, but I wouldn't give up Grimes for him. This is something, this is something, that'd be somebody I would give up Grimes for, for sure. Like yeah. without thinking about it. Um, for sure. But yeah, um, you might be right. You might be right. You asked somebody, you might be right. But that's something I would probably do for sure. Or Herb Jones. Because, you know, three and D, that's what we need, man. We need, we need that three, we need that D. Pause. I don't think we need it as much as we did before the OG trade. Right now, we need this backup playmaker situation resolved. This, I think this is a need that we need to resolve this season before we trade deadline. Otherwise, I think it would be a huge mistake, in my opinion. I hear you. I hear you. I see somebody in chat say, Eason. <laughs> yeah. Salute, salute. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Salute to the chat, though. Shout out to Will and Henna. Shout out to 19 Con Man. Shout out to Michael Moss. Shout out to Ronnie Sandin, who says the two dollars super chat says, time to test Jacob can hurt. 
Yo, Jacob Toppin is balling in the G League. And you know what I always say, the G League is the G League. Just because you're in the G League does not mean it's going to translate to the regular league. Miles McBride was killing it in the G League. And it's and now he's just starting to replicate the shooting that he's shown. Yeah. Right now. But you would have to think with six, seven, eight people down, I'm a little exaggerating because I'm black and I exaggerate. You call up a guy in Jacob Toppin who's been hitting threes and playing defense and finishing at the rim because that's exactly what we need, right? It is, but I also think that if the Knicks were more in the developmental stages, I'd be like, yeah, that would be an easy, that would be an easy call up. But the fact that the Knicks are, I think the Knicks are in a stage where they're trying to win. I don't know if I want to trust bringing up a guy from the G League and inserting him into the rotation and thinking that all of a sudden we magically got our, you know, replacement for Julius Randle while he's out. Like, yo, I love Ryan, yo. <laughs> I love Ryan. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being real about it. Like, nah, it's the way you being real. Like, you're real be hurting people's feelings. Because you be like, because the way you said, if we're trying to win, it, like, you said it like, man, this dude is not ready. He's a scrub. Like, who, like, that's, I, it's, I feel like it's like undertones when you say that, which is why I laugh when you say it. Because it's like, it's that harsh truth where people be like, wait a minute, what is, what is that? <laughs> like, that's what it seems like to me, man. Because I already know people be like, who, when people talk about bringing people up from the G League, whose minutes are, is he taking? I guess is the question. Yes, exactly. I already know what people are gonna say. I know what people are gonna say. Who do you think we're gonna say? Josh Hart. Yeah, I'd probably say Josh. I'll say Josh Hart or Grimes would probably say one of those two. How do y'all feel about Grimes? Do you think Grimes needs to be traded at some point now in the summer? Because to me, he doesn't he's not a dog. He doesn't fit the identity of his team. He's soft. He's passive. I'm close to calling him a bum. Damn! Wow. I mean, you you watch this team. You watch how hard Precious and Josh Hart and DiVincenzo play. They play hard. They die for balls. They're not scared to shoot. This guy plays with fear in his eyes. And it doesn't matter what the opportunity is. He's starting. He's off the bench. Grime, uh, OG's out. Rando's out. Brunson's out. No matter what combination of situational things you put on the court, he doesn't live up to the hype and doesn't come through in the way that you want him to when the opportunity presents itself. I think Tibbs feels the same way. I think he needs not get rid of him because he sucks, but he needs to be upgraded. That position in our rotation needs to be upgraded with a real dog. Okay. First of all, all right. There's two sides of the ball we're talking about here, right? We talk about offense and you talking about defense. If you're talking about offense, then I can say, oh, okay, he's not he's not as aggressive as Dante. Um, he needs work on there. But there's no way in hell I can't allow anybody to say he's not a dog defensively. When I just saw that, I just watched. I saw last year him get creamed on the screen <laughs> by Bam Adebayo, fall to the floor, get back up, and take the ball from Jimmy Butler in the high-pressure situation in the playoffs. Like, to me, that is not a soft play to do like that's something that takes some type of toughness so i don't believe he's a bum and he's so offensively he's been extremely up and down he's taking a lot of shots today they didn't drop i i didn't mention anything about his defense for a reason we all know the numbers the advanced analytics he's one of the best on-ball defenders in the nba i'm not taking that away from him that's why he's still in the rotation 
is because of that. But outside of that, offensively, in the read and react system, he reads and he doesn't react. He is scared to shoot on a consistent basis. He had to this game because there's no Randall. He had, literally had to. But in the normal circumstances, fully healthy, he, he to me, he doesn't come up when we need him. I don't understand how you can champion Precious Achua and then crap on Grimes. It's the role. It's different roles calling for different things. We don't need Precious to, to score unless it's around the rim arm put bats. We need Grimes to catch that thing and let it loose and do, in the mid-range and get to the basket. He doesn't do any of them on a consistent basis. I mean, he did it today. He, just, he missed the shots today. He missed shots. He, he did today because he had to. The shots were there. There were more opportunities than there usually are. Yeah, I still couldn't come through. I don't know. I just, I just feel like in general, I feel like in general rule of thumb, I don't try. I don't. Uh, I don't like to give up on guys on a rookie contract in general. That's just like my general philosophy. Like if they're if they're showing glimpses of something, if they show me something before, like last for two seasons, he shot 38 percent from three. This season, his role has been really yo-yoed and up and down. So it's been weird to find a rhythm. Which is why I'm not just gonna be like, oh, he just sucks and just throw him away. You know what I mean? Like I've seen evidence of this has worked in this situation when he knows his role, when he know what time he, he he knew he was getting 25 minutes a game, and he knew he was getting six seven touches a game. His role has yo-yo from starting to not touching ball at the starting unit because let's let's face it, Randall and Brunson they worked on their chemistry in the summer and they were passing more, the ball more to each other than Grimes this season. That's what I've. Gets to this, gets to the second unit where he he got a rhythm for like three games because Hartenstein was there. Mitch goes down. Hartenstein goes to the to the to the first unit again. There's no playmakers in the second unit, so he's out of rhythm again. Like I feel like his role and his feel of when he's getting the ball and when he's not getting a ball has been all over the place this year. And it's kind of throwing him off kilter. I know I'm pissing off Pittsburgh in the chat and probably a couple other guys. And I want to reiterate something. I am not saying trade him to the Indiana Pacers for two second round picks. Let me get over topic. That is not what I am suggesting. I am not saying get rid of him for the sake of getting rid of him. I'm saying that role in the rotation, the seventh or eighth man off the bench just needs to be upgraded. Someone who can play not as good defense as him because he is one of the best on ball defenders in the NBA. I test and stats, but give me someone who can defend and hit the shots that are given to him within the flow of the offense. Because I don't trust him in playoff time. I, I didn't trust him last year. He didn't come through. I don't trust him this year. And I just think it needs to be upgraded. Don't just steer him away. Package him in a piece that makes our team better. That's all I'm advocating for. Yeah. Do I trust him in, to make shots in the playoffs? Right now, no. I saw last year in the playoffs he wasn't making the shots either. It's funny, though. He got the respect. He got the respect of making the shots, but he never actually made the shot. Um. But um, I'm I'm sticking with Grimes for now. But for me, if somebody if, if somebody makes sense and I'm moving him, like would just say the Herb Jones thing was was uh, the Herb Jones thing was real. Herb Jones is you know a, a six eight Grimes. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, not a six eight Grimes. I'm when I say six eight Grimes, I mean he's a he's six eight. He plays defense, and he also can hit the three. And he's been hitting a three. So I would do something like that because it's obviously it's obviously an upgrade in my eyes. And he's still young. But uh I I haven't given up on him. Yeah, I haven't given up on him yet either. Um 
I admit there's been times this season where I have been fed up with his play, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and thinking that he's not aggressive enough. Um, I would give up Grimes if if the right player is brought in, if it's the right deal. I would I would give him up, but I I wouldn't just you know trade him for the sake of you know like for example if the Knicks are gonna go after a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, like I wouldn't give up Grimes in that kind of deal. You to bring, you know, a guy like Brogdon here or things of that nature. Like, I think the way I think about it is I do think he matches the team in the in the sense of defensively. The way he plays defense matches with the way the team plays defense as a whole. And I think in the in the team defensive scheme, he does work in that way. Offensively, yeah, if he was a bit more aggressive and knocked in his shots on a consistent base and things of that nature, of course, I would be very helpful. But just the fact that he defends and and I and I do think he's a dog on defense. That's the reason why I'm giving him a ch I would give him a chance. But yeah, if it's the right deal that pops up, I wouldn't be hesitant to move him. But that's that's my opinion. Yeah. Look, Miles and Brides had less opportunity than Grimes and he's evolved at a faster pace. He came in with, with a, a lesser skill set than Grimes, less pedigree than Grimes, a smaller build, and he has added that three-point shot to his arsenal. Now he, he, he's got to respect him. You can't lean off him and double-team, or he's going to drill it. Grimes, what are we, year three, he still can't hit a damn wide-open three on a consistent basis. Well, that's all I'm saying. If, if he didn't hit 38% from three last year and 38% from three the year before, I'd be with you. But history happened. You know what I'm saying? Like How many attempts? Huh? How many attempts and how many made threes, though? How many attempts? I mean, how many? He made 38% from three, two straight no, seasons. I mean, how, how many threes did he shoot and how many other, other shots did he make? That's what I'm saying. Did he, did he shoot 30% Did he hit two a game or 30% he hit five or six a game? That's a huge difference. That's all I'm saying. I'm, he, he, he's come from college when he, when he puts up eight threes a game. You know what I mean? Oh, he doing that in the NBA. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet money on that. You know, eight for sure. Hold on, let me. Figure. I have to look it up because I don't know that off the hand how many attempts he had. But I, I know. Hold on. Okay, so this season he's shooting four point seven threes per game. So, and last season, how many? How much were you shooting? 5.73s per game. So he's taking one less three per game this season. So 5.73s, 38% from three is, is a good value. On no, he, no, no, that's something he took. He made two. His average all three seasons are two made threes. So yeah, like I said, that's good value, Lee. 5.73s a game on 20, 20 minutes a game is good value. That, that's easily replaceable. That's two made a game. Is, huh? No. Two made. Five taken, two made. Lee. 38% from three, I'm telling you. 38% from three. I'm not, I'm used, you're, you're thinking with emotion. I'm telling you stats and numbers. 38% from three, when you're taking over five a game at 20, what, three minutes a game, 25 minutes a game, is good volume, Lee. No, I disagree. No, I, you can't disagree because you get your emotions, Lee. <laughs> because no, no, no. I, I, I'm disagreeing, but that's good value. No, it's good volume. Volume. Good volume. Good volume, Lee, because if you're playing 30-something minutes a game, now you're at eight threes a game. 
Yes. So but we know because so we have to you have to so you have to condense it for the amount of minutes you're getting, Lee. You, you, so I'm telling you, league wide, anybody shooting 38 percent from three, take the motion of Grimes out of it. What you're seeing today, anybody hitting 38 percent from three on five, five over five attempts a game is good percentage. I'm not arguing that 30 percent is not a good percentage. That's that that those are NBA average numbers for the last 10, 15 years. 30% is your clip. No one is arguing Your that. argument is the volume is too low, and I'm telling you it's not. It's not. <laughs> I, I am saying it is because that, that 30% equals two made three-point shots. Oh, my gosh. You can replace that. I'll put it in perspective. Dante, Take, for example, Dante DiVincenzo. He's a three-point shooter, right? Last year with the Gold State Warriors in 26 minutes per game, he shot 5.3 threes per game and made 2.1 threes per game. So if you're putting that in comparison to Grimes, Grimes is taking the amount. Grimes yeah, that's, is taking yes. the right amount that's what I'm trying to tell you, Lee. I, you're I like, agree you're, with you're that. not. You're not. I agree. You're not. You can agreeing, but. I agree, but Grimes has had the opportunity to start this year and be able to shoot at a higher volume this year, and he still has not increased. He's his not shooting at a higher volume. He's playing sense. less minutes. Like you, you're, you're starting. Lee, you're not listening. I don't know. I don't know. I am. I'm, dis I'm disagreeing on good volume. I you don't know what good volume is. That's the problem. You're not understanding what volume, good volume percentage is. Volume and percentage are two different things. He shoots a good percentage. He doesn't shoot a good volume. What's good volume, Lee? What's good, Lee? What is good volume for 25 minutes a game? If he was shooting 38%. No, 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 Lee. Listen to the question. What is good volume for 25 minutes a game? Making four threes a game. Three to four, and, I would say. Okay. Good. Stay right there. Stay right there. Good volume is three to four threes a game yeah. he was shooting yeah. five threes a game oh made made four make four three to four make four out of what lee, lee. You're, you're you're confusing makes whatever it was 38 percent. whatever it was lee you're confusing make with attempts lee <laughs> no i'm telling you the percentage 30 percent is oh my good. gosh we got to take this off air so i can explain it to only you because going in circles game is replaceable you can find that in the open market via trade. You can find someone who did. Oh my gosh, Lee! Look at every look at every high volume three point shooter and tell me how many makes he makes a game. It's all going to be around two to three, Lee. No one makes in he five threes a game. Improved his percentage or his mates or his volume in three years. Oh my gosh, it's been exactly the same. Oh my gosh, just, just, just another just another example. Malik Beasley shooting forty six point three percent from three point range this season. In twenty nine minutes per game, he's shooting forty six percent from three. He takes 6.1 threes per game and makes 2.8. No one makes five game. threes a game, Lee. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He's 46% three-point shooter. Does Malik Beasley start? Yes. He, or he, starts for the Bucks. he starts for the Bucks and plays 31 minutes a game, and he puts them up. You... Lee, I'm, trying, I'm trying to save you, Lee. No, to... I, I listen. I'm trying to tell you. My statement, my statement has been it's replaceable in the open market. You can replace that. Everything, 38%. The two a game, you can find you can't, that. You, Lee, this is what you find in the open market. You find three and no D or D and no three. That's what you usually what you find. Pause. In the open market. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a guy who's young, who has the defense already, and he's shown that he can hit threes in previous seasons. So sometimes if you be patient, that can come with it because you already know the defense is there. That's all. That's all I'm really saying. You're trying to make this argument that he's not making enough threes a game, but I'm telling you that 
That's on par with the entire NBA. I'm I don't sure. think it's enough threes a game to make an impact on where we should commit to him long term at that position in the rotation. I think we could find an upgrade for somebody who can give you not as good a defense, pretty close, and way better at three point percentage and volume. For what I expect to be a finals run this year, I don't trust him. I think that position needs to be upgraded. That's just my opinion. I, I'll say this. I get where Lee is coming from where it's, where he's saying that it's easily replaceable because, yeah, it's NBA average. So it's like, okay, if he shoots average threes per game and it's an NBA average, then, yeah, you probably can't find somebody else. Who, who can, can hit threes, but are they going to give you the defense? And make the same amount of threes and probably plays defense as well. But I think the point here is that, yeah, it might be easily replaceable, but it's not like you're going to have a significant improvement over Grimes in, in that position because what he because he's taking pretty much league average threes and making league average threes. It's like there's not many players out there that's going to take more threes in the minutes that he plays and hit more threes. Like there's not many players out there that even matches that. When Grimes had the same role starting position in the two guard, he was still only oh. averaging two threes. Dante DiVincenzo's averaging four mates this year in that same role that Grimes was. Grimes has seen no upward tick in volume or percentage since he came into the NBA. That is I'm not averaging saying, four I'm three mates. Shitty. I'm just saying you can replace what, 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 Say it again, Ryan. <laughs> Dante is not averaging four threes made this season. He's averaging two point something. No, I just looked. I'm gonna I'm 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 bring it up. Nah, right you're confusing attempts with mix, Lee. That's what I'm trying to tell no, you. No, it's eight attempts. No, he makes eight attempts. He's eight attempts. Yes, eight attempts. How many makes? Four. Just told you. No, Dante's averaging 6.3 threes per game. He's making 2.7 per game. Oh, my bad. I was in the wrong metric. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Lee. And he's the number... He and, and, and he is the number... I forgot, three or two. He's the number three or two high-volume three-point shooter in the entire league. So if the number three or two high volume three pointer shooter in the entire league isn't giving you four game four four threes a game, that means what does that tell you, Lee? You're not gonna find nobody hitting four threes a game because he's number two or three. So then there's two people who, who 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 there's two more people in the league who hit more than him, and they're not probably they're probably hitting like point percentage points higher than he is. Like you you're asking for the impossible. But I didn't want to stay on it too long because <laughs> we already here though. <laughs> we already here. We already here. I understand. I understand the sentiment though that people are getting frustrated with he's missing looks and he's missing open looks. That's the overall. That's what you're really saying. He's missing open looks, and you're frustrated with the open looks that he's missing. And I get that part. And so you're thinking, oh, maybe you can find somebody else that can hit the open ones. Cool. Yes. True. When you contextualize the average, when you factor in what Grimes is doing into the, the lead average, yes, okay, I'll give you that point. But I think that also reinforces, I think Ryan touched on this, that that is the lead average. You, can, you might be able to find that at a pretty high rate on the open market to find someone who can replace him. I, I think, I just think it's, the league, you want a lot of three and D people here. So it's like when you're getting young players, it's very rare that young players come into the league and have both off the rip. 
They usually kind of have one or the other and they have to kind of work on it and get there as, as time goes along. It's very rare to have both. And so I know, and that's why I'm kind of, I'm kind of just patient because I know what it is. He's young. He's on his rookie contract. That's what happens. He, he was here. First year he was here. He was injured. No, first year he played half a season, got injured. Second year he was here, came back in the middle of the season, played well. And so he's had like a year and a half of, of actual ball. This year he's been yo-yoed around. So I feel like his rhythm has been all over the place. Does that mean he'll never get better? Um, I, no, it doesn't mean that. I think he can still get better. Does it mean, does it like, this, in all, hey, in all, for all intents and purposes, this, this can be his ceiling. Fall into her, this could be a ceiling, but to me, I still feel like it's too early to say it's a ceiling. That's all I'm saying. I think he's had more opportunity in even a starting role than Deuce McBride, and Deuce McBride has already surpassed him as a reliable three point shooter. More opportunity in a starting role, he, he started for what a year, yeah. I mean, that's literally the definition of more opportunity in a starting role, but yes, I mean, this year, Deuce, Deuce is shooting better from three, he's been shooting better for three for. How many months? He's been shooting well from three for a month and a half. Month, yeah. Grimes shot thirty-eight percent from three for two seasons. I saw. I'm just. That's all I'm saying. He's had more than I a month. To. He's having a bad stretch. He's having a bad season. But I've seen. I've seen half a season when he was healthy, and another season when he was healthy of him shooting well. Which is why I've I'm like, seen, I'm sticking with it. That's why I'm sticking with I've it. I've never seen him be as reliable as Dante DiVincenzo hitting threes. When we Dante DiVincenzo is in year eight of his career. Yeah, pretty much. I, Dante I'm, just, I'm just comparing someone who took the spot. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, and I'm I'm telling you he's in year eight of his career. Yeah. I'm not comparing someone on another team. I'm comparing Knicks. I know. I'm just I'm just letting you know. You're comparing to, comparing some. You're comparing him to someone who's in year eight. That's fine. With, with, with Miles, my, opportunity with, in year two, he did in year two. Yeah, I understand. Grimes had a career high, what, 30, what, five points or something year one? Dante just had it this year in year eight. Dante's just now getting an opportunity, but Grimes had last year. So Dante's been with the Warriors last year. He's been he's been around the league. He's been with the, yeah, he's been the, the Bucks. He's been, the he's been there with eight. He's been here eight years. Yeah. As a, a minimal bench player, Grimes was a starter in his second season. Mm. He hasn't lived up to the opportunities given to him. But he's still been here eight years. Tips. <laughs> Tips obviously agrees with me because Tips has yanked him out of the starting rotation, never to be put back again. So I think whatever I see, I think Tips sees too. Yeah, I still I think you can't compare eight years to a year and a half. I, I get what Lee's trying to say, though. It's kind of like saying, like, yeah, I understand that Dante's been here for a number of years and Grimes is still starting out. But the thing is that Grimes, but the thing is that Dante's been a bench player his whole career. And then all of a sudden now, you know, even though it's year eight, he all of a sudden kind of um, boosted himself to the starting lineup and producing. Whereas Grimes, it's like, OK, even though he's still young, he pretty much became a starter in year two. So you're expecting him to have an upward slope in development, but it seemed like his development kind of stalled a bit going into year three. So it's like your faith in him kind of drops a bit because you're expecting him to just keep soaring up 
because he because as a as a year two starter, you're expecting you know you're you're expecting bigger things from that guy. And so far, if you're going to be realistic about it, if you're going to be honest, he hasn't lived up to the expectations, you know, of him being you know, the 25th pick in a year two starter and going into year three, losing his job in the starting lineup, et cetera. I think that's what Lee is trying to say. So no, from no. that standpoint, it's like, so I, so I think from that standpoint, Lee is like, oh, you know, Grimes has not sh shown us that in the opportunities that he's gotten, that he's on an upward slope of development. So if the right deal comes along, I think the Knicks, he, he's saying that he thinks that the Knicks should probably just move him for somebody who so for somebody who's more reliable in that position and plays defense, so I, I get where Lee is coming from. That's what Leon's doing. That's why you hear about Grimes as a, as a trade piece well, being he, available. Well, he's trade. Yeah, I mean, Bolton Bird is probably going to happen. He's he's playing him because they expected him to get more time, and they, he hasn't gotten more time. He got fifteen minutes a game once the trade happened, and he was like disgruntled. I remember in the beginning of the season they were talking about running plays for him. And then he got 15 minutes a game. So I guess they're kind of wondering what happened. But I get it. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is Dante's had a time to suck and then come back, work through a slump and then come back in seven, eight years. This is Grimes' third year, half of it was injured. And we all saw what happened in the first part of the season. He got like five touches a game. <laughs> Like it was, it was, it was, he was getting frozen out. The type of shots that Dante is taking right now are the type of shots that most people would deem bad shots, but he trained himself to shoot it. So it's Dante. So it's good shots. You know what I mean? It's like the shot, the shot, the type of shot Dante is taking is like a pass you the ball, he throws it up within like. 0.5 seconds, one second. Most people don't shoot that way. I still remember Evan Fournier talking about he had to train himself to shoot that way because he he was used to being a playmaker and having more time to like set corner shoot. So it's like the way the Knicks play and use that two guard spot is is a little it's a little different. You almost got like Chuck. Well, in terms of for a lack of a better word, and Dante is is good at shooting that shot, and that's why he's starting right now. But I don't know. It's just it's interesting. It's interesting. So look at the chat. I'm they, advocating for Quentin Grimes to eventually be upgraded, and I like to think that Leon Rose is kind of already doing that right now. And I think by the summertime, he won't be on the roster. We'll have someone even better than him in that role, hopefully. Uh, it's going to be Bruce Brown. It's not going to be. That's not great. Hmm? It's going to be Bruce Brown, who's not a shooter, but he's a gamer. So, yeah, he is. So he'll probably shoot 30% and then hit the big shot, I guess. I'll take that. Better than 38% and fall asleep in the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens with Grimes. Yeah, I, I feel like he'll be fine, even if it's not in New York. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not giving up. Grimes. I'm not giving up on Grimes yet, unless it's the right deal. Yeah, I agree. 
All right, salute to the chat. Had a uh, a spin-off conversation about brimes and shooting. That's what we do here. But uh, do we have anything else you want to talk about? We could talk about the weird Macau Bridges trade thing and get your thoughts on that. I know you. I know you guys have been seeing the Macau Bridges trade kind of circulate around. Oh hell yeah! This is an interesting conversation because this 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 philosophy. It's kind of overlapped with another philosophy I had about the Dejounte thing and overpaying, but um, let's see if I can find only find something on Reddit on short notice. So, yo, it's where my my Twitter kind of got hacked, so it's been weird. Okay, so listen. Okay, here we go. Bobby Mark's trade idea. Knicks get Macau Bridges for Fournier, Grimes, and five first-round picks? Bobby Marks posted an article titled Six Trades We Want to See and included the deal for Macau. First-round picks include Dallas, Milwaukee, two unprotected, and one top-five protected pick, and one top-five. Yo, this is a monster. What the hell? <laughs> Just to preface, I don't think this is meant to be a realistic proposal. Marks has been on the record saying he highly doubts BK would make the deal with NYK. It's more of a trade ideal that he would like to see. That's crazy. <laughs> I'll start off by saying this. If it's not Shea Gilders Alexander, if it's not Ant Edwards, if it's not a Jason Tatum or somebody like that, I'm not giving up no damn five first round picks for any damn player. I don't give a damn. Five first? Way this, too much. Didn't KD go for Way five? What the hell? Are you giving up five for Mikhail Bridges, who's struggling to. And it's. I always had this argument. I had this argument about DeJounte. My argument with DeJounte is if you feel like this move will give you a chip, does it matter if you overpay or not? No. I make true. this deal in a heartbeat. See? All day, every day. <laughs> all day, every day. You, but you know why? I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Because not all five picks are Knicks picks. Only three of them are. The other <laughs> one is Milwaukee, Dallas. They can have that shit. The other two are two unprotected Knicks. Fair for him. And they're protected. Top five Knicks. protected? It's crazy. <laughs> I'll do it. Player himself. He made this a dynasty in my opinion you give brunson all the familiarity in the world like you got dudes that he understands that understand him you don't give up randall you don't give up mitch you don't give up i heart heart divincenzo you keep all your core guys and only three of those pits are nits pits the other two are pits that are dallas and milwaukee i do in a heartbeat every time we win the championship this year yo there's five you know my you know what my brain i have one side of my brain that's like, Jay, if you win the chip, does it really matter? And then I have the other side of my chip, my brain that hates being bamboozled and it's fighting each other right now. <laughs> like, I hate I overpaying for stuff, you know? That's fighting each other right now. They're going to war. This isn't an overpay, though. Like, it's, it, it's like me internally, I'm a person that stands on business. So it's like, I'm looking at the value of a player and I'm like, okay, potentially can this player turn this team into a dynasty? Yes, but is that player really worth five first round picks? No. So, so for me, it's like 
I know that this player might turn this team into a dynasty, but at the same time, I'm like, no, nah, I'm standing on business. Like, you're not Yo, going you're you're to fleece me for five first-round picks. Yo, I'm from like, New York. You're not going to fleece me, bro. Well, wait, 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 though. <laughs> but they're not all equal. They're not all five unprotected Knicks pits. They're not all five New York Knicks pits. Only three of them are, and only two are unprotected. You have to, be, you have to say what they are. The other one is Milwaukee and Dallas. What is it? What's that? The 19th pit, the 27th pit? Of course you did, and now that three of them are for this year. Of course you give it up. You're, you're, you're but a that, that 2029 top five protected pick is crazy. <laughs> sure, yeah. That, that's five years one. from now, five years from now, you know, how old is Brunson? How old is Randall? They're in the 30s. If we ain't killing it. <laughs> does it matter when you have that rain on your finger? Man. That banner in the rafters? Top five matter. protected is crazy. <laughs> you better win that chip, man. Win that. I think four out of five of those are in the twenties. Four out of five. I think only that twenty twenty nine one is not in the twenties. The rest are in the twenties. How good the Nits are? How good the Mavs are? How good the Butts are? These aren't pit number two, pit number three. We're giving up. This is pit twenty three. The, the make that is, trade your dynasty, man. The thing is, if you make that trade, it better work. Like you Yo. better win a. Enough, better what what what's Julius Randle's shoulder looking like in 2026? <laughs> I don't know. These are the things you gotta think about. You gotta think about injuries. You gotta think. About, you gotta think about all of that. I think Bridges is the right character and the right score. He's a two way guy, elite defender. I mean, he's he's molded himself into a five level score. He's well respected, and he knows Brunson at the back of his hand. This is not Murray where it's an awkward fit. It's a great fit. It's an elite fit. You got a huge lineup now. You go out into the starting. And you don't give up any rotation with Grimes. You're a dynasty. I make this trade every time. He he fits what Tibbs is looking for. Murray doesn't. He does. No, he does. You, you you heard me say this. You heard me say this a month ago. I was like, guys, what if you give Mikhail Bridges? And he was like, wasn't Mikhail Bridges a three? I was like, yeah, the three, but you can easily saw him at the two. He can guard the two. It don't matter. The cow, OG, Mitch, and or 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 Hardenstein, whenever with Randall and like you can lock him teams up, and then you can have McCow run the second unit and be a playmaker on the second unit. Like I see the vision. I was I was probably the one who who, who, who uh, not even me. Somebody in the chat actually fed me fed me that. He said, "What about McCow?" I was like, "You know, that's a damn good idea." But I understand all of that. Man, five picks is crazy. Like, you're not KD, man. You're not KD. <laughs> like, I might be able to talk my way into four, depending on what picks they are. Five is crazy. That KD trade was all uh, Suns picks. They weren't other teams' picks. It was all Phoenix. Phoenix was mortgaging their entire future. Their picks. This is different. This is only three of ours, not five of ours. And no swaps. You still have your swaps. Hmm. Make that trade. Can't be no top five either. Get that he was an eight pick. No top five pick. <laughs> Him and OG on the perimeter. Oh my god. Yeah, that'd be a devastating people. Yeah, it's, Dynasty. It's, it's just the amount of picks is just crazy for me. Five picks. That's the only thing that we don't even care about that Dallas and Milwaukee pick, man. Like we don't even talk about those picks. I'm talking about the top it's, five. It's, it's, that top five 2029 pick. Is blowing my mind. <laughs> that pick, that pick in particular, is blowing my mind. 
that one right that there. Pick. I think that's the one that's giving me hard complications. Yeah, that, that pick is the huge gamble right there. It's worth it. Bridges ain't a bum. I might have to take that pick. He and he he's shown he can do whatever he needs. You need to be the primary store, he'll do that. The third best player on the team, do that. Guard the best player, do that. Him, OG Mitch, come on, bro. We're gonna be the best defensive team in the NBA for years to come. I would I would probably do it if I if I take away the 2029 pick. I'd probably do it up with those four picks. Yeah, I think I'm a bro. The 20 the 2029 pick has me kind of iffy. Yeah, 29. Top, Top five. Tw- that's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Fit and grimes. And then it, and then they have two unprotected picks on top of that. It's whoo. All right, cool. You got two Nas and one Hell Yeah. I see a couple of Hell Yeahs in the chat and a couple of. It's actually an F Yeah, but I, I don't want to ruin the channel. I understand. <laughs> keep, keep that monetization going. <laughs> it's it's it, it, it doesn't make us a contender. It makes us a dynasty. I really believe that. He's young. He knows Brunson. That chemistry. He's a Tibbs guy. It all made sense. Yeah, I see F those. I saw F those picks in the chat. I saw that. <laughs> Again, if they were five Nits picks, I would not do the deal. But because two of them were Dallas, Milwaukee, I'm in. Yeah, I might have been in until top five protected 2029. That's the one that's giving me the pause button. Yes, yeah, I'm now nah, I'm good. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'll I do mean, four. five picks for a Mikel Bridges level type of play. I'm like, nah, I feel like I get him for cheaper. Yeah. All right. Salute to the chat. We had some debates. We had Mikel Bridges. We had Grimes's, the Grimes debate. Oh, man, Ebony would have ate you up when we heard you talking about Grimes like that. Shoot. <laughs> we could bring it back. I'm going to wake her up right now. Mm. <laughs> Joshua Rivera said, "You want to draft five more OBs? That's on you, fam." <laughs> uh, oh man! Or five more IQs, damn it! I don't know. <laughs> Where's he at? <laughs> Toronto. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I said, me personally, I just think five picks is just a crazy, crazy amount of picks for just Mikhail Bridges. That's just me personally. Yeah, if it was someone who had some question marks around their character or their fit, I, I, I might side with you. He's that's seamless, just a continuity with Brunson, Hart, and DiVincenzo alone. But I just feel like he would fit in perfectly. No, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it too. I feel it too. I feel it too. I feel like it too. I just and they Brooklyn and they like I'm from Brooklyn. I know what Brooklyn people try. They try to rob. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like you're not going to try to get me. Like I already know the game. Can't. Mm-mm. That's 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 that of course that's the bridge tax. That's the toll that they're trying to get yeah. us, man. That's that bridge tax. Facts. That's definitely Nick's tax. That's the Nick's tax to to the tenth tenth degree. All right, I, I'm good though. I told about everything I want to talk about. I don't know. Do you have any bruh picks? I don't really have any bruh picks tonight. <gasps> it, it's, it's been a minute. I haven't, I haven't been able to check out what's been going on. That's why. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. Any bro picks for you tonight, Lee? Yeah, no, me neither. Wow. Do, no. I, do I have any bro picks tonight? 
Things that make you go. Mm. I mean, I also want to say, bro, big for Cody Mott for getting his lunch taken away by Miles McBride earlier. That's a oop I mean, oh! <laughs> <laughs> the oop pick, my friend. Put that man in jail. Max. <sighs> All right, well, I guess we. No, 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 bro, picks tonight. All right. That Josh Hart part passed. The Josh Hart passed out of bounds under the rim, and nobody was even in sight. I missed yeah, that. That was pass. a broke pick. I missed that pass. When did that happen? Yeah, I I, I know the pass is talking about. Yeah, that was a broad pick. Yeah, the the, the Hornets bench post Jackson was a broad pick as well. Yeah, we did mention that. How everybody was laughing, having a jolly old good time on the bench. Oh pitch. yeah. Ejected from the game, and they get it smacked, and the crowd's going, "Let's go Knicks! Let's go Knicks!" Yeah. That was definitely bro. That's a good one. That was a good one. Does that make, does that make you look like a, at Lamelo Ball differently? Lamelo yes. probably don't even want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> he probably don't even want to be there. <laughs> he probably. I mean, he getting paid, so he. I don't know. He, he right? Yeah, he might be right. He's like, I ain't playing. Who cares? That's what. That's what I felt. That's how I felt. But you know what's funny too? I heard Nate Robinson. Cause you remember when Nate Robinson was here? And uh, he was the jokester, and and that it was like there was some years when Nate Robinson was here where the Knicks were just getting smacked a lot, and he talked about that. He was like, "Man, when you're losing every night, you just don't, you don't want to be on the bench depressed all the damn time." Like, <laughs> like I want to laugh, I want to smile at some time. If I'm losing, winning seven games out of, it's like ah, I guess, I guess, if you're losing seven games out of winning seven games out of eighty two. You don't want to look mad every night because you got to smile sometime, I guess. I don't know. Bro? I guess I, I think I think I would say my spot, my smile is more so off camera. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Just for the optics, I'd, be a, I'd have a straight ass face on the bench. That's a fact. <laughs> Very Fizzdale ish. I'll never forget gotta, that Fizzdale picture. I when, think I'm going to have a Oopit. Oh, what's oh, your Oopit? My Oopit's Tom Thibodeau, man. This is the type of game where three, four years ago, before Tibbs, no, four or five years ago, we would have lost this game. It would have been embarrassing. We would have taken, we wouldn't have taken him seriously. We would have went in there and got smacked. Um, Tom Thibodeau always has these guys prepared. I love that Nets man and that mentality. And it exists. Like we got three starters out. And we got Deuce and Bride stepping in. Precious of Chua stepping in. I, I love what Tibbs has built culture-wise. Don't always love his rotations or decision-making or how he closes. But I love the culture. And I, I trust him. I've gotten to the point where I trust him. And I'm excited to see what he's able to do. In the playoffs with this roster, I think it's 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 finals bound in my opinion. Shout out tips. All right, All right. shout out tips. Oh, yeah. And tips. I just want to add one thing to what Lee just said too, because I know there's been an argument saying that how you build the team, whether you build the team around the coach or you build the team not based on what the coach wants and the coaches, and it's the coaches that to actually adjust the players that he have on the roster. I think what the Knicks are doing right now is kind of proving that sometimes it doesn't hurt to build around the coach because if you build around the coach and you get him and you get him the right players for a system it, it could turn into a machine yeah i mean that too i keep remembering this one podcast when fred Katz said there are not a lot of coaches that can coach everybody he said most coaches can coach a certain system and there's only about three coaches in the league who can just adapt 
like that. And he named, I think, Spolster, Lou, and I forget. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody else. Might be able to put a, a email back in that. In that. Yep. Yeah. He might be able to put be put in that category right now too. But we definitely kind of catered to his tips. And it's funny because it's annoying, but I also do. I like. I personally like defenders. So it's annoying sometimes when you don't. But I also kind of like film. I'm like, I like defenders too. So I don't mind getting the, the guy who can defend. Like, that's yeah. my bag. <laughs> that's my bag. The only thing that I might get annoyed about is the the um, the stretch five thing where he doesn't want to try it enough yeah. or go small things sometimes. Yeah. But definitely agree. That's the thing that probably annoys me the most is the, the small, the not going small or not giving young players more of a lease sometimes but other than that you know he's been all right it's been all right the chat is bringing up the rasheed wallace i can't remember what podcast he was on it, it wasn't one of the player ran ones uh maybe someone in the chat can help me out with the name but i did oh see it. i, on it. I it saw was, that I on it. It, was, it was it was like nits for clits it was rasheed wallace slams tom thibodeau and i was like oh i want to i want to hear what, what he has to say he didn't really he, he slammed him more on the court than it was on the, his basketball IQ or acumen. Yeah, it was, uh, but the thing was, and Shaq Tarashika actually interviewed him um, back in the day when I was with the other show. But he was holding, he was holding this big grudge, and I felt like, yeah. dog, let it go. Like it wasn't even let that deep. He was, he was upset that when he was in a playoff run, I guess Tibbs was, look, was in the running for the Chicago job while they were in the middle of a playoff run, and I guess. But at that time, Tibbs was an assistant coach. He wasn't the main coach. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah, if he was the main coach and he was looking for another job during a playoff run, then then I can see why you'd be upset. But dude, like he got a family. He's trying to like advance his career. That's I don't know. I feel like he needs to yeah. let that go. Gregory Lee just brought up that he said Tibbs was fake. He did, and I was like, oh, I wanted to hear that too. But like. He said he was going to have a certain role, but he didn't. Nah, man. It's when he went to Chicago. He went Tibbs to add him to the roster. Then Tibbs like, ignored him or, or didn't give him a role when he wanted to come back out of being retired. I'm like, that's not his – like, okay, he told you at some point he would bring you back. But if you're watched, I mean, when you saw when he was on the Knicks, the only thing he did was shoot threes. He didn't do nothing, nothing else but shoot threes on the Knicks. Yeah. He was essentially washed. At that point, you can't be mad, Tibbs, for not wanting to ruin his 60 win season Chicago Bulls with Rasheed Wallace. Come on, man. It was it was weak criticism. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I just feel like he should let that go. It wasn't anything crazy. Facts. I feel like I've heard other I feel like I've heard other complaints about other coaches where I'm just like, oh yeah, that's messed up. Yeah. Like all everything that the, all the Denver Nuggets, everything about the George Carl. Like George Carl, when people are throwing George Carl on the bus. Like yeah, he was a, he was an asshole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hate George Carl. Hate Phil Jackson too. Yeah, two bums, Hall of Fame bums, the bums, <laughs> Hall of <Yeah>. Fame bums. <laughs> yeah, you Hall of Fame for of, yeah, and the Raptors for sure, and the Raptors for sure. Yo, it's kind of funny though because speaking of Rasheed Wallace, I forgot what game it was this season. It was it was a few games back though, but remember that game against um. I forgot who, but this is when Rasheed Wallace was, was with the Knicks. I think I, if I if my memory serves me correctly, I think it was the Raptors, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But remember that game that she played on the Knicks against 
I think it was the Raptors. I don't, I'm not, don't, don't quote me on that. Like, I think so. And remember that game he got teed up, right? And then when he got teed up, the guy at the free throw line missed the free throw and then he shot a ball don't lie and got ejected from the game or shortly right after that. So just to show that reputation doesn't matter a whole lot. There was a game like a few games ago. I forgot who, I forgot what game it was, but Josh Hart was basically, you know, it, it was the other team taking a free throw. Josh Hart was at, you know, the line, you know, where, you know, they line up, you know, waiting for the rebound and things of that nature. And the dude missed the, and the dude missed the free throw. Josh Hart shot a ball, don't lie. And my man didn't get tee up at all mm. for doing yeah. that. Just to show you that reputation means a lot. Cause I still remember that time back in the day when Rasheed Wallace got ejected for shot a ball, don't lie. Mm. And the refs kicked him out the game, but yeah, Josh Hart shot a ball, don't lie. And my man didn't even get teed up. Yeah. People they used to hunt Rashi Patiz. That was that was the thing. Facts. They used to hunt them. But uh Yeah. Josh Hart, I mean, they don't get Josh Hart calls, so <laughs> they they still kind of with him. It's just another way. But yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. I don't even know what to call that. Is that a bro pick? I don't know. I guess it is. <laughs> I guess it is. All right, good show, guys. Good show, good show, good show. We can wrap it up right now. Lee, let them know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Lee Estrebido, L-E-E-E-S-C-O-B-E-D-O, or hit that search bar and hashtag bum, and you'll probably find me fighting with a math fan. Book club, y'all. Spanish writer, Augustine Basterio. A Tinder is a flesh. I've been watching a lot of True Detective. I love True Detective. Love that metaphysical uh, science fiction, HP Lovecraft type horror. And this is a unbelievable social commentary on capitalism and the evils of it. Uh, I am pro-capitalist, but I also love to hear great critiques of capitalism as well. And this book imagines a world where at some point the all meat, chickens, cows, pigs become poisoned. So humans being humans, they start raising human livestock and the world becomes cannibals. And it's a book about someone who works at a, fa- a cannibal factory with humans and ends up falling in love with one of the one of the livestock, so to speak. That's it's about crazy. how we treat each other, how we see humans. The turn, the idea of humanity. Uh, at what point does compassion go out the door when you're back against the wall? You know, trying to survive. Uh, it's a really horrifying, grotesque novel. But I thought I found it very poignant, especially written by a woman, a Spanish woman, to have the female point of view writing about male characters in this post-apocalyptic world. Very interesting, multi-layered point of view and a very interesting subject matter to deal with the corruption of the human spirit uh, in a, a apocalyptic time. Yeesh. And there is a flesh. So light reading. Also huh? watch True Detective season four. It's amazing. <laughs> the light reading. Got you. Cool. Yeah, light reading. <laughs> it's very short. I read it this morning over coffee. It's very short, but yeah, very intense. Light traumatization over coffee and going. Right, right, yeah. it's a regular morning at the beetle house you know <laughs> you nah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Capital, capitalism is an interesting subject i mean i always yeah. feel like america yes, is. is like capitalism gone rogue where just, i don't know i always felt like it needed some checks and balances and right now it's unchecked which is why you get things where you're just selling meat that's not meat it's killing everybody but nobody cares because it's money over everything, but that's another oh, story. Hold up, yeah. let him cook. <laughs> let him cook. He's cooking. Man, that's that's how I feel. But, uh, I <laughs> but, but Ryan G, what you what you what you got to say, man? Where you, 
Let me know where you can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan G K O T. You can also find me on Instagram at Sir G is chilling. Sir G is chilling. That is S I R G is C H I L L I N. Also, shout out to shout out to my guy George into the nigga. Let's go. That's George. Check out the channel if you haven't already. Pretty sure you you have because I feel like our followers are intertwined mostly. Uh, so yeah, shout out George into Nick's person does great work. Definitely check out his channel. Shout out everybody in the chat. Picks for Timmy always with us. Gregory Lee, Joshua Rivera was passionate. Shout out to Nineteen Con. Shout out to shout out to Glamour Nick's aka Mrs. Tibbs. Shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Prezi the boss. Shout out to everybody rocking with the KOT show. Death Row. Uh, if you like that, sh- like the show, hit that like and subscribe. And shout out to all the new followers and stuff. We got 170 plus followers in a month. So I appreciate all the new followers. Hopefully, you, hopefully if you like the show, you hit that like and subscribe. And you share, share, share. Let's get the get the word out. The KOT is here. We debate healthy. We talk facts. We joke. We laugh. And this is a place to be if you're a Knicks fan. And you love healthy, debatable Knicks talk without the agenda. All right? That's how we do. All right. That is the show. We are out of here. And as always, shut out the worldwide west. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. Mess out here in these Nick's YouTube streets. That's the show. We out this mug. Peace.